0: Today's episode of Locked On Blackhawks is brought to you by Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Make sure to go to BuiltBar.com right now and use our promo code LockedOn20 in all caps, and you'll get 20% off your next Built Bar order. You're Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Welcome into the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Monday, March 8th, 2021. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at jackbushman two. Or you can also check out my Strictly Blackhawks account, that's at Talkin Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. If you like what you're hearing today, then please be sure to subscribe to the podcast, go leave a review. It's all free wherever you may listen to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio.com, Google Podcasts, etc. You'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. Also, if you're on Twitter, then please go follow the Lockdown Blackhawks Twitter page at capital L Capital O underscore Blackhawks. With some really good content being posted there every day as well. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, as always, thank you for tuning into today's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Happy Monday. Hope you all were able to enjoy your weekends. Got some much better, uh, much better weather as of late. Hope that continues to be the case going forward as we're uh starting to creep into March, getting forward into the spring season. Um, but yesterday, it was a tough end of the weekend as we saw the Blackhawks, a great start. They jumped out to a 3 to nothing lead against the defending Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning, heading towards taking two of the three games at home during the series. But then, <laughs> in a heartbeat, everything fell apart in a hurry. The Hawks gave up... Uh, Two goals in 23 seconds, three goals in four minutes. There in the second period, they go on to fall behind four to three. The Lightning, wow! They wind. You you see how dangerous that offense is. They wind up scoring six unanswered goals en route to a six to three win. And let me tell you, it all happened in a hurry because it actually it was actually a good start to this game for the Blackhawks. They were pretty dominant in the opening 20 minutes. The better team early on. Uh, we saw Philip Kuryshev open the scoring in the first couple of minutes. Nice backhand down low after some great pressure there from the Blackhawks' third line that led to the first goal of the game. And then a little bit later on the power play, Matias Janmark, who really had it going on early in this one. He batted a puck out of midair, putting the Hawks ahead 2-0 on the man advantage. And even in the first few minutes of the second period, I thought the Hawks came out with a strong push and clearly had a good talk during the intermission and knew what they had to come out and accomplish. They managed to extend their lead to to 3-0. They got a goal from Pia Suter, another great play by Matthias Janmark. He had the primary assist to set up Suter in tight to stuff one past Vasilevsky. But after that, it was all lightning the rest of the way, and that lead evaporated real quick. And again, a problem I've mentioned a lot on the show is... A problem this young team has had this year is giving up a goal right after scoring one of their own, and that was the case once again yesterday afternoon as just 40 seconds after Pia Suter's goal to go ahead 3-0, Tampa Bay heads to the power play, and Andre Palat snipes one past Kevin and to give the Lightning some life, but the real killer here was the goal 25 seconds later after Palat's goal. We saw Yanni Gord walk into the offensive zone. He puts... Kind of a harmless shot on net, and Lankinen just not able to get to it clearly. He gives up a rebound. Gord corrals it and beats him. Stick side to cut the lead to 3-2 to two real quick. Two goals in less than 25 seconds for Tampa Bay. And that just can't happen to that good of an offense. Not a good goal from Lankinen here. Like I said, especially in such a crucial point in the game where it feels like Tampa could be getting some momentum back. Could be... You know, starting to get some wind back in their sails. That's a real toughie to give up there to such a dangerous offense that can go off and, and grab hold of this lead at any moment. And it almost felt inevitable, you know, after uh, the Blackhawks took another penalty. This one kind of. Nah, I don't know if I really agree with the call, but um, Victor Hedman gets open at the point. He rifles one past a screen through Lankin, and I think it was Kaloran out in front again. He's been there all series long. Um, and just. In a matter of four minutes, the Blackhawks, they take some bad penalties. They couldn't clear the puck in their own zone. They just couldn't get the bleeding to stop. And boom, their three-nothing lead was gone. And seriously, once this game was tied, it already felt like it was over for the Blackhawks. I know that they've been able to find ways to win and stay competitive a lot this year, but it just really felt like there was no coming back from that. They were on their heels completely and just by the looks on their faces and, and the energy they had, it just looked like they had the life, like the life had been sucked out of them. They just had no energy there. It looked like they saw a ghost, not sure what hit them. Um, and it also didn't help that right after Tampa was able to tie it up 3-3, to Connor Murphy gets called for a match penalty game misconduct after uh, not a good hit, a high hit on Eric Chernak, circling behind the net. I know Murphy didn't leave his feet, and I was getting a lot of comments saying that, but he did catch him with the shoulder to the face. The point of impact was his head, and uh, I just, I don't know if it's a suspendable hit just because Murphy doesn't really have a track record of being dirty or anything, you know? But I I also don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. There have been a lot of bad hits lately, but at, at the same time, if Brett Pesci for Carolina, I don't know if all you guys saw the slew foot he had if he didn't get suspended for that i don't think connor murphy gets suspended for this hit but um not not a good hit there by murphy up high on on Chernak. the hawks after that they were down two of their veteran defensemen for the rest of the way and that really showed because they had no murphy and then no calvin DeHaan. he didn't play yesterday after injuring his leg on a shot block i believe on friday and without those guys the Blackhawks were really hurt. Tampa was all over them in the final 40 minutes after that Murphy hit. And almost j- just like how it felt when it was 3-2, to it almost felt even more inevitable for the Lightning to take the lead once it was 3-3. to And what do you know, before the end of the-, of the period was over, Yanni Gord scores his second short side Ugh, through a screen. The third power play goal of the period for Tampa Bay. They take... The 4-3 to lead, and they never looked back. They added two goals in the third period to make this one ugly, including another goal on the man advantage. And before the Blackhawks could even blink, 3 nothing lead was gone. All of a sudden, they're down three goals, 6-3 to in the third period, and uh, they dropped a real crucial game at home here to defending Stanley Cup champs. Um, e- however, even though, you know, They definitely squandered some opportunities this weekend. They blew a 2-0 lead on Thursday night, a 3-0 lead here. I was still impressed with what I saw from the kids this weekend. They showed a lot of guts putting together, for the most part, three consecutive hard-fought games against arguably the best team in the entire NHL. And that's, you know, go and look at this Blackhawks roster. We have some unproven netminders. Kevin Lankanen, who's a rookie. Malcolm Subban, who's never been playing in a starter's role before in his career. We got a handful of rookies in the lineup every night. It seems like at least five, six, or even seven rookies are in the lineup uh, at each night. No Jonathan Taze. No Kirby Doc. Even more guys are out with injuries. You know, it's it's truly incredible to have. A 13-7-5 record through 25 games for the Chicago Blackhawks right now. Sitting in fourth place, a playoff spot, by the way, in the Discover NHL Central Division at the moment. So, tip of the cap real quick to Jeremy Colleton. Even though some leads were blown and you know he was disappointed, you could tell just in his emotions after the game, both on Thursday and on Sunday, you know. Some points were left on the table there, and that's disappointing. But I still can't be too mad about what this team was able to accomplish this weekend especially when you go back and compare these three games to the first two of the regular season it is very evident that there has been a major change within this team and you know that's really all we can ask for given all the circumstances that that they've had to deal with so congrats to the Chicago Blackhawks I know three points kind of it doesn't feel like a, a big win in these three games against Tampa Bay but it didn't penalized them in the standings all that bad and most importantly they really learned what they have to do to take their game to that next level and they also proved to themselves that they're not very far off from being one of the best teams in this division all right ladies and gentlemen there's a quick recap of the blackhawks 6-3 loss to the tampa bay lightning on sunday afternoon coming up in just a moment i'm going to talk a little bit more about this matchup and also the previous two games of this series on thursday and friday night This is the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Lockdown Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Lockdown Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes by subscribing to Lockdown Today, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I just finished discussing the Blackhawks' disappointing 6-3 loss to Tampa Bay on Sunday. Now, I also wanted to be sure to touch on the games on Thursday and Friday night a little bit as well, because there, there was a lot of important stuff to talk about there, and also... We didn't have an episode come out Friday after the opening game of the series, so it's been a little while in between episodes. We've had three games played. Uh, A bit of an unfortunate scenario went down with Adam Denker of Lockdown Lightning. We originally had a a crossover plan to do together on Friday morning, but he had to cancel a little late because of work duties, which, always understandable. He told me it was going to be close if he was going to be able to make it or not, but um, that put a little halt to the plans uh, with the show on Friday, so apologies that I wasn't able to get anything out that later that day. I had to go into work myself, and I wasn't able to put one together uh, in, what, 30, 45 minutes that I had free, so I'm sorry about that, but um, it, it just makes, you know, there's a lot to break down now. We got three games since the last episode. We got a lot to catch up on, so quickly flashing back to Thursday night against the Lightning. I know that seems like a while ago. We'll just go ahead and... Use that brain power real quick. Go back and think about it um, to ref- help refresh your memory a little bit about it. Uh, I mentioned a little earlier in the episode the Hawks surprisingly jumped out to a two 0 lead. Everyone was freaking out. We're we're beating the Lightning two to nothing. What is going on? We got a shorthanded goal from Ryan Carpenter. A beautiful snipe. That was his third goal in his last two games at the time. Bar down, Carpie. Uh, beautiful. Shorthanded goal there from the Blackhawks. That put an end to Andre Vasilevsky's three-and-a-half-game shutout streak that was very much talked about coming into the series. And then later on in the first period, Alex Dabrinkit. Kane put a shot on net from the point, and Kitty was able to get a redirect out in front of the net. and, And, you know, that was an impressive start for the Blackhawks. I think everyone was a little jittery because we know how fast this team can blow leads this season. Just the sign of a young team. Um and that's that's really how it was going to be throughout this entire series little did we know no lead was safe the team who actually scored the first two goals of the game lost each time in the series which is crazy if you were betting on the comeback all three games you probably made some good money here um and again on Thursday Tampa answered in a hurry they had after the Blackhawks were up 2 nothing going into the third period Tampa answered in a hurry a quick shorthanded goal from Anthony Sorelli. And then just about two minutes later, Steven Stamkosy beats Lankinen with a wrist shot. Tough one through a screen. I don't think Lankinen ever saw it. But all of a sudden, early on in the third period, just three, four minutes in, the momentum was completely in Tampa's favor and the game was tied. And it was the same feeling really as yesterday. It felt almost inevitable for the Blackhawks to come back or even force a point for that matter. But they managed they managed to do it. I was super happy with with Kevin Lankinen's play down the stretch, really, the defense was kind of in scramble mode, Tampa Bay was cooking, uh, but Lankinen he played great in the final 10 minutes or so, and really, if it wasn't for him, I don't think the Hawks managed to force overtime in this one, he had a couple of really big stops there late in regulation, and even in overtime, actually, he, he there was some crazy back-and-forth action for both sides, both teams hit the post in a matter of like 15 seconds, but in, even in that extra frame, Lankanen was was really good to keep his team alive. Unfortunately, the Hawks, they were oh, so close to getting this one to a shootout where it's really anyone's game uh, with literally under a second left on the clock in overtime. The definition of a buzzer beater. Hedman shot from the point. I'm watching him hold the puck. I'm like, oh, he's not going to put this on net. I hear everyone from the lightning bench, shoot, 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 just turns it. Fires what seemed to be kind of a harmless shot on goal. It, it somehow gets redirected by Sorelli. It squeaks by Lankanen. And I, I seriously couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was, it was .1 or .2 left on the clock for sure. I, <laughs> I was crushed. Heartbroken when I saw that it was a good goal. The Blackhawks fought so hard to get to that point, and they had their chances to finish the job in overtime too. Ugh, but wind up losing three to two in the literal final seconds of OT. Always happy to pick up a point against such a good team, and there were a lot of positive takeaways from this game. Mostly that that they learned that they can already hang with the big dogs, <clears throat> but. Damn, that, no other way to put it. Damn, that was just the toughest way you could lose a game, basically. Any way you draw it up not going to be as killing as that. Up 2 to nothing in Regulation 2. Up 2 nothing heading into the third period. One that they definitely let slip away. And, and knowing what we do now, that one, you know, it's kind of all the more tough to swallow because uh, Sunday was just more of the same. And it would have been really big to get four points in this series. But still... What I was really happy with, you know, was um, the Blackhawks, they fought hard down the stretch, and it's tough to see that last puck, you know, the last shot of the game rolling to the back of the net in the dwindling seconds there, but there, there were a lot of things to be proud of. The, the effort there in, in overtime, I know they gave up two goals quick, but this game really could have been 4-2, to 5-2 to two Tampa in regulation. They, they stuck with it, and that's really what we can, uh, that's all we can ask for out of this young team. And another thing I was really happy with was how the boys, how they managed to bounce back less than 24 hours later. You know, it's a real tough pill to swallow there, but they they couldn't dwell on it all that much. They had to put it in the back of their minds, and they had to go get a good night's sleep and go get ready for a game. You know, literally 24 hours later, those back-to-backs are never easy, let alone against Tampa Bay. Um, but I was really happy with how they they managed to put together a a much better and a more complete effort against this Lightning club that probably had a feeling that they had this Blackhawks team, you know, right on the cusp of falling off real hard. They just got some momentum, finally moving back in their direction in that third period. They come out with, you know, a huge victory there in the final second of overtime, and they probably thought that the Blackhawks were going to be a little heartbroken heading into this one. They had them on the ropes. But that wasn't the case. And um well, actually, I mean, the Blackhawks they did go up or they did fall behind two to nothing early on in this one. At first it didn't seem like uh it was going to go very very well for the Blackhawks on Friday night because Tampa Bay picked up right where they left off on Thursday, but they scored two goals in the opening 11 minutes of the first period. Sorelli again, he just he killed them all series long. He scored the first goal, he scored the game winner in overtime the night before, and then Alex Kalorn made it two to nothing with a redirect on the power play. By the way, real quick, five power play goals allowed by the Blackhawks penalty kill in the final two game two games of the series. Four on Sunday, absolutely unacceptable. I know that the Lightning are lethal on the power play even without Nikita Kucherov this team's just stacked but you can't expect your team to hang around in games when you allow the opposition four power play goals in one game allowing them allowing them to convert at that high of a rate on the man advantage that just cannot happen i don't care who you are so certainly one area the hawks need to clean up going forward if they want to be more successful they gave up one here on friday against Tampa Bay but fortunately they were able to claw their way back into the game on Friday night. That's really what I was the most proud of. The The effort level, it never changed. It, it, if anything, it even went up when they were down. They never quit, and they managed to stop the bleeding, and they cut into this lead with a pair of goals from Alex DeBrenk at Stan. Red hot, Kitty extended his point streak to eight games by scoring a, a beautiful couple of goals, jumping near the top of the NHL now. With 14 goals on the season, the first one was a, a snipe on the power play, just going top shelf past Vasil or past uh, MacLaney, excuse me. Never saw it through a screen, and then the second one was, uh, Kitty, I've talked about it a lot on the show. He struggles with one-timers from that left circle, and this one was from way down low, a tough angle, but Kane put it on the money, and DeBrincat fired it into the back of the net. Two big strikes there from the Cat to tie the game up 2-2. Tampa did manage to regain their lead 3-2 early on in the third, kind of gave everyone a heart attack after the Blackhawks worked real hard to tie this game up. Ryan McDonough, who was really good in this series, found the back of the net to give the Lightning the 3-2 lead. But once again, the Hawks answered right back, and it was just a couple minutes later. This one was a goal from Dominic Kubalik. He jumped on a rebound. A Keith one-timer from the blue line. Stuffs it past... Curtis McElhaney to once again tie the score for Chicago. And the Hawks would hold on to force overtime for the second consecutive night. And this time, what they were trying to do on Thursday was get it to a shootout. On Friday, they managed to do just that. They wound up earning the extra point as the game uh, headed into the shootout. Big two points rookie Philip Kirschavy scores a beauty in the third round after no skater scored in the first two and then Malcolm Suban I haven't mentioned him yet I don't know how because he really was the star of the show in my opinion he played well all night 39 saves in regulation and overtime and then even bigger was he stopped all three shots in the shootout. He gets real fired up after making the game-winning stop on Stamkos, leading the Blackhawks to a 4-3 to win. It really couldn't have been done without him. I was talking up Lankanen for good reason. He was really good on Thursday night, but I thought Suban had the best goaltending performance for the Hawks in this series. As I said, 39 saves on Friday, and a lot of them were big-time stops when the team... Really needed to, for him to come up clutch. This this game could have been, again, in Tampa's favor go, Um, in the third period, really. But I thought Malcolm Subban was just fantastic. And after we saw Lankanen kind of have a, a lackluster performance on Sunday, some people kind of disagreed with me on that, but I thought his rebound control wasn't really great. He... I know a lot of the goals he was screened on, but we needed him to come up with some key saves to stop the bleeding. It just seemed like he didn't do that when he did on Thursday. So I think actually, as I said, I think Subban had the best goaltending performance for the Blackhawks in the series. And as a result of that, I think there's a pretty good shot. We see Subban back in net on Tuesday possibly due to, you know, just a strong showing in his most recent start against the defending Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. Alright ladies and gentlemen, there are some of my thoughts on the first two games of this series between the Blackhawks and Lightning. Coming up in just a moment, I have to talk about three-time Stanley Cup champion defenseman Brent Seabrook deciding to hang up the skates after 15 years in the NHL. But first, I need to talk to you all about Bilt Bar, which is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Bilt Bar has a ton of awesome original flavors like peanut butter, mint brownie, coconut, and now they also have six new flavors, which are caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. All of which, like the other 12 flavors, are covered in 100% real chocolate and are soft, easy to chew, and great for the keto diet. Not only are all the bars low-calorie and low-sugar, but they're also a great source for protein and fiber. So make sure to go to builtbar.com today and use our promo code LOCKDOWN20 in all caps, one word, LOCKDOWN, then the number 20, to get 20% off your next order. One more time, be sure to check out builtbar.com for a delicious and healthy snack option. And don't forget to use our promo code LOCKDOWN20 in all caps for 20% off your next built bar order. I also need to talk about betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And be sure to use our promo code LOCKDOWN, that's one word in all caps, to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Yes, football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing, and Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real time, updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's also free to sign up. Head on over to the website, or you can also use your mobile device to sign up today. And be sure to use our promo code LOCKEDON, one word in all caps, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online. Your online sportsbook experts. Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Start your week off with Lockdown NHL so you don't miss another big hockey story. Every Monday, Lockdown Kings host Sarah Avampado interviews local experts covering the biggest stories in hockey. Get reactions to blockbuster trades, deep dives on the teams destined to be at the top of the standings, and analysis of hockey's hottest stars by subscribing to Lockdown NHL wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, I just finished talking about all three of the Blackhawks' most recent games against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Last, but certainly not least, on today's episode, I have to take a moment here on the show to talk about one of the greatest defensemen in Chicago Blackhawks history, officially retiring from the National Hockey League on Friday after 15 tremendous seasons in Chicago due to multiple injuries, a real sad day in Chicago, Brent Seabrook retiring from the game of hockey. A ton of emotions to feel about this. Lots of great memories to think about. Game 7 versus Detroit, the overtime winner. Going and calming Taze down in the penalty box during that series. That's probably my favorite moment of Sieves, honestly. Um, but all the game winners, Mr. Overtime, the great stretch passes, sprawling breakups in the defensive zone to prevent a 2-on-1. Really one of a kind, a special a special breed that was able to withstand a whole lot during his career. The only word that really comes to mind when I speak of Seabrook during that era was warrior, That because that's what he truly was. This guy, he did it all, and he never missed any games during the peak of his career. Go back and look at his stats, and, and Seabrook always found a way to get on the ice. I mean, and he was such a leader, both on and off. 30-minute games for the Blackhawks in the playoffs. Basically, we won a Stanley Cup with just him, Keith, Jalmerson, and Oduya. We really won a Stanley Cup with four defensemen because that guy was on the ice half the time. Uh, Seriously, it's a tough one to swallow. I can't believe I'm never going to see number seven on the ice at the United Center for the Blackhawks ever again. So many touching moments, though, that I'll never forget for the rest of my life. I'm very thankful that Seabrook was a member of those teams because I don't think we're able to get it done without him. There's a lot of those guys who, they just all had to be there, you feel like, in order for the team to accomplish what they did, you know? Just as sturdy as they come uh, on both ends of the ice, all reliable number seven. Probably would have been a captain, you know, on any other team that didn't have Jonathan Taze. Everyone talked about him as that great of a leader in the locker room. He was always known as the locker room leader. Taze was the on-ice guy, he was going to put his nose down, he was going to go work harder than anyone on the ice, and he he was that leader in that aspect. Of course, I'm sure he was great in the locker room as well, but Seebs was always hyped up as the mentor in that room, you know, as respected as they come, and just uh, above all, a really, really good guy, really good human being, you know, so it's tough that he wasn't able to go out on better terms, wasn't able to Come back when that was his goal, you know, for the last year and a half. That's tough. But after two hip surgeries, <clears throat> a shoulder surgery, and now a bad back that he's been dealing with, I- I've talked about it on the show. It just didn't make any sense for him to come back. He has nothing left to prove. Already a three time Stanley Cup champion. He's played over a thousand games in the NHL, which, by the way, I was lucky enough to be in attendance, uh, in attendance for Seabrook's 1000th game. Pretty cool moment there. Um, And also, with you know, he's with his family and having kids. It's the right call for him to walk away at this point and not push his body any further and any longer. And I mean, we even heard Seabrook himself say he's had days where he can't walk and struggles to get out of bed. I think it was the Monday either before or after Christmas when he was rehabbing. He said, "Um." He had a normal Friday. He was on the ice with the team. He had a little bit of a workout. Saturday and Sunday just kind of laid around and was fine. And then on Monday, <clears throat> he he couldn't get out of bed. He couldn't he couldn't walk. So, definitely the right call in my opinion. When you hear that, as tough as it is, to, tough as it is to think that we'll never see seems he put on the Blackhawks sweater ever again, this does sound like the smart decision. I mean. I can't imagine how his body feels, all the miles he's put on. Think about it. I mean, all the the 15 years of the regular season, all the playoff games he's played, all the Olympic games he's played, world juniors when he was younger. It's just crazy. I'm sure very rarely in the last 10 to 12 years has he had a lot of time off, especially when he's playing every night. It's not like he was getting games off in the regular season. This ain't the NBA, ladies and gentlemen. There's no such thing as those games. So, Brent Seabrook, I'm, I'm at least glad that, uh, you know, he, he was able to come to grips with his decision. He was clearly sad. He got emotional about it during his conversation with Edzo, but it seemed like he understood this was the right thing, and he knew his body was telling him he just can't go any longer. Um, so I know it's an, emo- it's an emotional time. I was emotional too, can't lie. Might have shed a tear or two over Seabrook's retirement, but one more time, thank you, Brent for all the memories and, and everything you did for this team, you know, during those 15 years. I seriously don't think we could have done it without you. And uh, far, um, I was just more, more so really glad to see that uh, it was really awesome to see the boys rally there on Friday night and put together a big comeback win for Seabrook when he was in attendance, when it was clearly an emotional night. And the Blackhawks... They did it for Sieves and they found a way, even against an elite team like the Tampa Bay Lightning, they found a way to get the job done 4-3 to in a shootout. And without a doubt, I think we all agree, that win was for Brent Seabrook. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think that will wrap up Monday, March eighth episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show and be sure to subscribe and to follow the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you can get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, ask your smart device to play the Lockdown NHL podcast. The NHL regular season is underway, and the best way to keep track of it all is by subscribing to Lockdown NHL. Local experts each week bring you the biggest stories, game recaps, and fantasy advice all in one podcast. So be sure to subscribe to Lockdown NHL wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account, at JackBushman2, or you can check out my Strictly Blackhawks account, at Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates.